Welcome to another episode of the Coal Region Campfire. Sorry, I haven't been as consistent lately. Don't forget about our sponsor, uh, Cackle and Darren March Financial Services. But uh, we are here with Frank and Jemmy. Uh, first, Frank, I, I need to uh, apologize to you because um, I got a text message the other day. You just asked me before, how did I find out about this? I got this text message the other day of, of a tweet from this guy, Rick Nurse. I don't know if you know him, but he says, I, I guess that there was a, a, a thing in uh, Baltimore about the best athletes to play in the Baltimore area. And his tweet was, Francis Ginjemi, best athlete ever to grace a football field at John, Johns Hopkins University's Pottsville Zone, played every position except QB and would drink a Yingling on bus home for every position he played. So <laughs> once I got sent that, I was like, okay, I need to have him on. But I apologize because I was like, I don't know who he is. Like, I, maybe he's a nativity guy. And then um, I start going through, you know, my archives of newspapers and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, he was a Pottsville guy. And yeah, he was kind of an animal. And uh, so that's on me. Uh, Kurt Arrow is one of your biggest fans. Um, so um, I love Kurt. I just saw his oh. parents. I was back home. I saw his parents this weekend. They, uh, Kurt's an old 20th Street guy. So I, I was just going to say, yeah, that's funny. I, I mean, I love Kurt as much as anyone, too. And, I, and so he, he, he took great pride. And uh, I didn't talk to him directly yet, but he took great pride in knowing that uh, one of his own uh, is going to be on the uh, podcast. Um, and that's of very funny. Him. So, yeah, Rick Nurse is a fraternity brother of mine from Johns Hopkins. And so I'll have to I'll have to buy him dinner or something. now. I guess he's doing PR. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's definitely up in your, uh, your street thread. And, and then once I, you know, once I got it and I start going through, first off, for, for I'm a Centennial Conference guy, I'm from Muhlenberg. Um, so first things first, it's Johns Hopkins. Everyone always says John Hopkins, right? Very true. Yes, you got to add the S. He's named after his mother's maiden name, which is not very well known. So it's Johns. So... Um, but you played during the Rick Laubach years of Pottsville. So I don't know if it's kind of the lost years because, you know, when I was going through the old newspapers, I mean, like I said, you were kind of like a, I mean, you were like a coach's wet dream. You were an animal out there. I mean, so, uh, then you go to Johns Hopkins and did I read this right? You were the first Centennial Conference guy to be first team offense and defense, which is just unheard of. Yeah. So I think maybe there was a kicker. Um, who achieved that, like a punter and a place kicker. But I'm the first position player to do that. I don't think anyone's done that since. No. You, you, know, you, men you mentioned Rick Laubach. What's really interesting, um, I think, is that, I yeah, I played my first three years um, for Rick Laubach at Pottsville. And then my senior year was Kevin Keating's first year. Okay. So I, I had gone back when you contacted me. I had gone back and I had listened to a few of the podcasts. So I listened to John Flannery's podcast. So John was a senior. When I was a junior, I played with John. Okay. And then um, Kevin came. And then at Hopkins, it was really interesting. I had a different coach uh, for my first three years there. And then my senior year, basically the same thing happened. Uh, we had a new coach, uh, Jim Margraff, who went on to coach there for 29 years and was the is still Oh, God, today. yeah, he was a legend. Yeah. He's a legend. And he um, he is the winningest um, football coach, all divisions in Maryland state history. And he did it at Johns Hopkins, you know, recruiting, which recruiting was very difficult and still is to this day because of the academic requirements. And so um, both excellent coaches in their own regard. And, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about both of them, but 
Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting that I did have kind of the, you know, the same path in high school as I did in college. And I'm still, you know, very, very close with, uh, with Kevin um, as, as I try. I try to keep, uh, you know, connected to Kevin as much as I can. And unfortunately, uh, Jim Margraff passed away somewhat mm -hmm. unexpectedly a few years ago. But we yeah, were. Yeah, I know really it, it's kind of sad what happened to the Centennial Conference because our coach, yeah. Mike Donnelly, and, you know, him and Margraff, they kind of battled. He died. A couple of years exactly. ago too and you know i mean i know for us muhlenberg it was always you know johns hopkins and, and western maryland uh which is now mcdaniel right. uh but right. you know that that was always tough i, I was kind of laughing because we, we you know through throughout my college career uh we we played down there twice my sophomore and senior year uh i believe my sophomore no my senior year was when the dc sniper was out yeah, right. So yeah. it was like really weird. Like we came up to the hotel, we had to like, you know, we couldn't be outside. And right. like there was also a concern during the game, like, okay, we're just like outside on a football field. And this, you know, they had no idea who this guy was. And and the thing about the Hopkins Stadium is that it's surrounded by high rise high yeah. rise hotels. And yeah. you don't know, you don't know where anybody is. I was I was living downtown with my you know, then girlfriend, now wife. And so we were right in the district. And I remember, you know, you would go and get gas and you'd like serpentine walk through the, you know, parking yeah. lot. It was, it was the scariest time to yeah, be in the DC Baltimore area. It's yeah. really interesting. I thought about what it'd be like as a visiting player in Baltimore. I, I believe we pulled up to the hotel, if my memory serves correctly. And, you know, they wanted to pull the bus like right by the door, but it, it wasn't right. high enough. And like, remember we had to get right. out and like, it was just weird. I mean, you're like, Jeez, right. am I going to get like shot here by this weird sniper? And it was right. like, right. news so, every day. So, what was your record then when you played against Hopkins? How how did that I, play I, out? I, well, I know we won our scene. I think we were two and two. I think we split it with them. Right. Um, and, and the reason why is our when we went back our senior year, Johns Hopkins has an amazing uh, cafeteria, <laughs> yes. and our coach wouldn't let us eat there before the game because he, he had been convinced that when we had gone there two years earlier, that we made like pigs of ourselves in the, in the cafeteria before the game. And that's why we lost. Cause he kept saying like, we're not going to eat us. He had a weird voice, but he, he would always say, you know, we're not going to eat ourselves out of this game. And then he took us yeah. to the old country buffet, which was worse because it's like, right. everybody that's was right. just like, Oh great. Endless pancakes and everything like that. We, right. we felt even more horrible. Um, right. But we did beat them my senior year. We were, co-champions uh, co I believe uh, my sophomore and junior or sophomore and senior year um, but me and my buddy to this day have my other wide receiver buddy we have a we have a laugh because we had the game wrapped up against uh, Hopkins in their fourth quarter of my senior year and the D-back for Hopkins was you know he was upset and we didn't even say nothing and he comes up to us he goes you know what doesn't matter you won this game you'll be working for me someday <laughs> classy that's a very classy move right by him who, who does that that's but crazy. the funny thing is is me and my friend were unemployed for a couple of years and i said god damn it this guy's not going to be right and i'm going to be working for him one day it's going to kill me maybe we should give him a call <laughs> yeah right like hey you know hey you did say you know you give us a job one day do you think uh right. well, um, the thing about hopkins you know and um and particularly kevin keating a lot of people don't realize this about kevin he 
and, and I would say the same for Jim Margraf. And then I've had another mentor in business, um, Rand Blazer, who was uh, CEO of KPMG Consulting in my first job out of college. And then I, uh, he's on my board now in, in the company that I run today here in DC. And they all have the same traits. They're all very intelligent um, and they're just humble and honest. And, and, and Kevin, which is just amazing when you think about it, you know, he, he's very introspective. And so when he, when he was on the podcast with you, he said, look, I think maybe my first couple of years, I shouldn't have tried to be Bill Flynn. I should have mm -hmm. tried to be Kevin Keating. And that really stuck with me because he was a brilliant coach, but he was still trying to, I think, figure it out my senior year in high school. And then subsequently he became just an, an amazing, uh, amazing high school football coach. He would sit with me after my se se you know, senior year was over and I'm trying to, to figure out where I wanted to go to college. And, and he and I, we had the same view where he basically had said, look, Frank, I think what you need to do is you're not going to play in the NFL someday. You know, you're six foot, 230 pounds, forget that. You need to trade football for academics. And over the course of literally hours, I mean, in multiple sessions, he would sit down with me and we'd work through all of the uh, opportunities that I had education wise. And he really helped, you know, steer me towards Johns Hopkins, which was just one of the best decisions I think that I've ever made. And it was, you know, not to say it, wa it wasn't difficult because it was, it was a, you know, college for me was a academic struggle because mm -hmm. it, Pottsville, I don't know, it may be different now with AP classes and things of that nature, but we really, it really didn't prepare you for something like that. When, you know, you would go to a campus, you'd be taught by, you know, in some cases, Nobel Prize winners, and you're competing with some of the best students in the world on a curve. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you come from Pottsville and that's, that's a tough realization. So, I do, you know, I do think back on college and, and while my athletic career was uh, a joy and I really, I, I had just the best time playing football and, and playing for Jim Margreff in particular, and I'm still best friends with uh, some of my uh, teammates, the academic part of it was a big struggle uh, for me. Uh, absolutely. And so that's, there's always kind of that, that duality of how I think back uh, on college. Was it the, was it the same for you uh, when when you left Pottsville? Did you yeah, I mean, I think I think the hardest part was um, for me adjusting. First off, I, and I don't know if you had this kind of mentality. You know, I thought I was going to go Division One. You know, I you know, and then then you go to Division Three, and before I got there, I was like, oh man, are these guys going to be like scrubs and stuff like that? And then right. I show up to camp the first day, I'm like, oh no, all these guys are all county, and they were just a step slow and you know, an inch exactly. too short and it's like really good football players. And exactly. it's just getting used to that, you know, it, I don't want to say it's a job at division three, but it kind of is because, you know, yeah. you're very regimented throughout the year. And now it's even, you know, they have the spring ball and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a challenge, you know, kind of balancing work. You, you kind of think you have all this free time because you're only taking a, a class or two during the day, but right. You know, if you're watching film and lifting and, and practice and, you know, four hours out of your day is practice through time, you know, by right. time you get there, shower, go eat and stuff like that. Um, well, exactly. That, that's the thing, right? So you're, you are at Hopkins. Everything was on a curve. You know, there, were, there was never a multiple choice test. Everything was a blue book based on a curve. Oh, I didn't know that. Was, okay. So uh, I didn't realize there's that. no multiple choice tests. And so, um, you know, you, you have a four to five hour a day commitment to athletics mm -hmm. and most of the other students there do not. 
And so not only are you competing with people that, you know, were valedictorians or very high ranked in their classes, but they have all day to commit to studying and, and uh, preparation and you don't. And so that that's always been that that was the thing, I think, that that tipped the scales in, in some regards, particularly in the first couple of years when it was really kind of that struggle. Right. Yeah. Get, I mean, Hopkins is a world renowned like medical uh, place, right? Medical, medical engineering, and now they've really expanded into a lot of the arts. Um, economics was my major that that was really starting to um, become a little bit more well known. And so they were attracting much better uh, students in that regard. It was really math oriented. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you go through, I thought I was pretty solid in math at, in high school and they would really cover that uh, in about a semester, everything that I knew math-wise. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, three and a half years of growth in the math, you know? Right. And, uh, and so, but uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a great network uh, that I was exposed to. Uh, you know, I was able to get a job right out of college in my first choice and then, uh, you know, really grow. Um, and it just, it taught you kind of a lot like Coal Region football, right? That to be tough and persevere and, you know, you will fail. There's no, you, know, mm -hmm. no one has, you can't script life. No, no one's going to um, succeed in everything they try, but it'll, it'll teach you just like Coal Region football did to dust yourself off and keep going forward. So um, the great experiences, Coal Region football and, you know, playing football at Hopkins, no doubt. Yeah. I, I know amongst, you know, some of my best friends are, are people I played college football with too. And, you know, we have, you know, in our text chains, you know, someone's complaining or whatever. It's always, you know, our coaches say, find a way to win. You know, like, I don't want to hear the excuses, find a way to win. And, you know, right. it, again, it, it is a brotherhood, uh, you know, yeah. especially because you just spend, you just spend so much time together, you know, it's, you can't help. Yeah. It. Yeah. What's interesting is I'm probably, as I look back on it now, you know, 30 years after I'm still, there are about 10 extremely close friends that I have from Hopkins and, most of them are former basketball players <laughs> for oh, some okay. reason. I don't know what it was. It was, you know, we were fraternity brothers. I Maybe it was the pickup games that I play in the gym uh, every day with those guys. But one of them, you may know, Andy Enfield, he was the coach of um, Florida Gulf Coast that took them to the, the Sweet 16. Oh, get out. That was the, the Slam Dunk City or whatever? What, what was That's it? right, Dunk City. And yeah. now he's, at, uh, he's the head basketball coach at USC. So oh, get out. Yeah, so we it was great that we always say my friends and I the will never top the greatest sports experience was um, when Florida Gulf Coast played Georgetown. Georgetown was a two seed. Florida Ghost, Gulf Coast was a fifteen seed. They played in Philly oh, and um, at Wells Fargo, and we're sitting there in the stands. We're watching our friend, you know, beat Georgetown as a fifteen seed, and it's surreal, right? And my one friend is sitting in the uh, in right next to me and you may not know this but chip kelly coached at i was Hopkins just gonna say years. chip kelly yeah right so but jim margraf always says he's such a brilliant coach that he hired chip kelly and then he made him a defensive coordinator he was your coach at he, hopkins he was he came either the year after i left or the year after that i'm not mm -hmm. sure but my one friend stayed and played an extra year and then coached so they became very good friends so the year that uh Florida Gulf Coast played Georgetown in Philadelphia. That was Chip Kelly's first year as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, so wow. Chip texts him and says, are you guys watching this? And we said, yeah, we're here. And he said, so am I. 
I'm in the Eagles box. Why don't you guys come up and we'll watch the second wow. half up in the box. So we sat up in the Eagles box and drank beers uh, as we watched our uh, one of our best friends beat Georgetown as a 15 seed against the two. Oh, that's and awesome. we always said we'll never top that experience. Yeah, that's and, be- and afterwards, Chip went out with us to celebrate, and he had a Florida Gulf Coast T-shirt on. And so you can imagine Chip Kelly as the new head coach of the Eagles going out into uh, Rittenhouse Square, and oh, uh, all these kids were coming up to him, and they they didn't really understand that he was who he was. They yeah. because they knew. He was probably Chip Kelly, but what was he doing wearing an FGCU T-shirt on? Right. So they come up and ask him questions. It was a riot. Yeah, it was just a great night. We had we had the best time. But yeah, you know. I mean, I, you know, I'm a Steelers fan, so I, I'm a little more objective than Eagles fans mm-hmm. when it comes to Chip Kelly. Yeah. He was revolutionary. I mean, I I know he, he didn't he didn't you know, but he didn't. I mean, I think they were ten and six. He just didn't make the playoffs, but. I mean, he was a revolutionary coach. What he did at Oregon, I mean, it's amazing. So he was great. He was great at Oregon. I think in 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 the pros, you know, it's not the same game. It doesn't mm-hmm. translate. And um, you know, the pace of play is really at times, if you don't have a really strong offense, you're just going to turn the ball over the other team's offense quickly, yeah. and they'll get more possessions, and then your defense will wear down because um, it's a tougher, faster game. And and I don't think he realized that. And then uh, we'll see how he does. He's at UCLA now. I think yeah. he's. this is his third or fourth year at UCLA. So he's, you know, and he's been pretty successful recruiting. He hasn't repeated the Oregon success yet, but right. um, hopefully he can turn it around. But we, we always say we got to get out for a USC-UCLA game, especially because you know, we know coaches in basketball and football. Oh, yeah, no, sports. that's absolutely. It's a bit of a haul to get out to the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. That too often. yeah, yeah. Now, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you, you know, you mentioned Coach Keating's, uh, you know, you were there for his first year. I didn't, when I interviewed him, I actually didn't find this article until after. I was just going through yep. like old newspaper articles and there was a, there was an article by one of the reporters back then, just ripping him. I mean, just saying like, he's completely in over his head, like Potzel's a mess. Like it, it, yeah. it was really astonishing to see because I mean, first off, it's a local newspaper, so you don't really expect to, you know, for them to come down. I know it was 1985, I guess it was, right? 86. 86. And yeah. um, but I, and, I, and one day I will show him and just I want to see his reaction to it. But how was it that first year? I mean, I, he had to be, I mean, he was, you know, 30 years younger. He had to be just a ball of energy then, huh? A uh, ball of energy doesn't begin to describe it. Yeah. Uh, he was incredibly intense. And again, I think it goes back to him being very introspective and saying, look, as I look back on that, I was trying to be Bill Flynn and not, and not Kevin Keating. He was a, he was a brilliant coach. He was extremely prepared. He got, I would say he got the most out of the talent he had. There was mm-hmm. just a dearth of talent after my junior year. We had, they had a, you know, we had a very good senior class when I was a junior and uh, you know, when that class left, you could just tell that, I don't know what it was, whether it was just, you know, the third year of, of Rick Laubach, who was a very good coach, but maybe there were just some things in the the freshman and JV program that started to wane a bit so that when that senior class, my, the, the class that was uh, graduated in 86, when they left and then I became a senior, it was just really a talent level uh, thing, I thought. And mm-hmm. I always knew Kevin would be just very successful um, because he was so intelligent and because he knew the game and he had the the absolute right um, experiences. And he was, you know, he took a a Potsdam high school team to the state championship game 
uh, twice, yeah. which was uh, an incredible accomplishment. Yeah, and but, he did that after after his stint at you know Fordham, where or not Fordham at uh, Lafayette, where right. you know he kind of yeah. I mean, did you ever get the dog speech? I never got the dog speech. I heard him say uh, it okay. in the podcast, and I thought to myself, "What is the dog speech?" But then he said, "It's six and one." And yeah. so I said, oh, that's why I never heard it because my senior year, I don't think we won that many games. I think we won four. So the odds that we got the dog speech. No, the dog there. speech is uh, after he gave that one, you're ready to you're ready to run through a wall. I mean, it's uh, no doubt. I, he had a couple in his repertoire. He, I also heard that he had this very quiet halftime speech where if uh, the, the team wasn't performing, they're behind. He would just come in and almost at a whisper, give a speech. And I think that speech is almost, it may be. Oh, I don't think we ever got that one. Yeah. There's been an article or two on that. um, No doubt. But also, you know, going back to that senior class, I don't think when I was a junior in the senior class, I don't think, well, now people certainly do, but don't realize how truly good John Flannery was as a football player. And he was 16. He was 16 years old. And so I played uh, outside linebacker next to him. He was defensive tackle. We always played on the same side, the defensive left side. So every game would go like this. The opposing team would come out. They'd run three times at us and they would get no yards. And then the rest of the game, we would just be chasing them because, right. and, and I thought, of course, it was because of my stellar play. <laughs> right. And all I didn't realize all I had to do was contain because everything to the inside of me was handled by him. Right. And I, I never really appreciated that. And at the end of every game, the opposing coach would come up to him and call him out of line and say, you're the best football player we played this year. And, you know, where are you going to college? And I'm thinking to myself, John's good. He's a big guy. But I didn't appreciate how good he was until the following year. And then when I had to play both gaps and I right. I, I didn't have the benefit of having everything to the inside. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. A 6'5", you know, 260, 270 pound monster. Um, it was a it was a challenge, and then I really appreciated how strong, particularly of a defensive player, um, he was at that point. And yeah, that he was great. And he was a monster. I mean, I, I love too right. that he beat Kurt Angle in uh, in the quarterfinals. Right, right. You know, that's like, right. I, I remember the night that he won uh, the state uh, high school champion the wrestling championship heavyweight division. Um, I lived right off of Market Street, and the fire trucks you know brought him through town. Oh, really? Fire truck. Oh yeah, I mean that was a uh, that was almost as big a deal as if we would have won a state championship. I mean, yeah, and it should have, yeah, because absolutely. it was all of an accomplishment for for someone to do that, um, and to beat the talent that he beat. Now I was I was with you mentioned Market Street. I I, I was with Kurt. Uh, uh, you know, I think last year, uh, Jimmy Katita, uh, and I, what was the name? It was because it was a, a family friend. What was the name of that pizza place? Uh, that's that everyone went to after the game. It's right by um, uh, there's a doctor's office there now. Was it what is it on Market Street? No, it's on uh, on is it West End on Avenue? West End Avenue, right? Like, uh, I, I we, we couldn't figure it out because it, it was a family friend, and, and I remember after the games, it would just be mobbed. Um, and I was yeah, like, man, what? I, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that as well. Maybe it was you remember the pizza place. I don't know. Oh, maybe know. maybe it came when you were at college or something. I don't know. So was it close to Club 18? On the, like, yeah, so it, um, if you go to Club 18 and then like walk down the block, uh, I think that's West End. 
And there's a doctor's yeah. office there now, uh, like yes. a lab corp and stuff like that. Oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So there's no chance I would pull that name, but I oh, know. Okay. I, yeah, I know exactly where it was. Yeah, that was a pizza place. It was in that like very mini business park. Yeah, kind of but after, I mean, I, I I like yearned for it because after a game, it would just be mobbed. You know, people would just go right. there. It was like, you know, straight out of right. uh, American Graffiti or something, you know? Everyone right. Was, well, for us, the key, you know, what we always wanted to do as high school players was be able to go to a club 18 after a game, right? It's yeah, like, that would be great, right? Right. You needed to wait, obviously, until you yeah. graduated. And then you graduate and you're in college and you'd go there because Tommy never cards anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, you show up and, you know, half the uh, coaching staff and the teachers are in Club 18 after a game. And that was neat to do that a couple of times right after we graduated and we were in college. So is, is the tweet true? Did you drink a beer for every position you played on the bus? Uh, not uh, not on the bus, but I certainly had uh, a few beers. And I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Yingling. Mostly we're Natty Bo and Natural Lights. Because oh, yeah, yeah. You got a top notch there. Baltimore, right. What was the what was the Muhlenberg drink of choice? Yingling? Was it? Um, I don't know what they You know, we kind of just mixed it up. But, you know, I guess Yingling was close enough. Uh, yeah. We, we generally didn't drink on the bus. But I mean, obviously, after games, uh, you know, we did. Uh, of course, yeah. We had we had huge parties at our fraternity and win or lose. <laughs> yeah. Win or lose. And uh, yeah, it was all Natty Bo and uh, but, you know, the thing the thing about Muhlenberg that I always respected was, you know, if you think about Hopkins, they recruit nationally because I think the, the brand recognition, but also because they have to. They've got to find, you know, student yeah. athletes and they need to broaden the, the, the sample size, if you will. Um, what what always impressed me about Muhlenberg was the quality of the teams that Muhlenberg would field and recruit literally from four or five states. And I think that's yeah. a testament to how good Pennsylvania football is primarily, but also, you know, New Jersey and Ohio and the, the, the surrounding states that, that Muhlenberg recruits from. Uh, just really impressive. And then your, your quarterback that you had the last four years, Nitkowski, was... Oh, God, he's that, unbelievable. He is. He is. He was incredible. Yeah. He was I, mean, incredible. I played with a great quarterback with Mike McCabe, and, you know, he yeah. had breaking all his records. So I was like, man, I mean, yeah. I know how good he was. So... Right. Is, is he playing in Europe? Do you know what, what his next step is in his career? I, I do not know. I've been following their tight ends playing in, in Europe. The Curtis. Um, okay. He was like yeah. an all-American tight end. And, uh, yeah, he's he been over there. Um, yeah. yeah, and the new coach now kind of has just taken it to a new level. Um, you know, it, it's, quite, it's quite amazing because, you know, Mike Donald yeah. did such an amazing job. Well, I think eventually, right, one of us, Hopkins or, or Muhlenberg, we've got our challenge always is we beat each other up and the centennial conference is getting better and better every oh, yeah. year. And then we'll end up having to go on the road to, you know, uh, most likely a Mount union or, yeah. or someone from the ODAC. And I think we're now at the point where we're the same talent level. I think Milberg took, took them to OT last year uh, yeah. on their home field in Alliance, yeah. Ohio. And so eventually we'll end up, um, where we'll actually beat them and we'll beat them in their home stadium. We had, um, we hosted Muhlenberg. They actually lost a game in conference and Hopkins was undefeated uh, several oh, years yeah, ago. Yeah. And so we hosted them and we were beating them at halftime by either a touchdown or two. And then I think we realized that, you know, oh my God, we're going to beat Mount Union, you know, and right. then we just 
completely fell apart in the second half and we lost yeah. by a touchdown or something, but we had him on the ropes. It's just a matter of time really before oh, one of us. 100%. Yeah. Muhlenberg. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were final four a couple of years ago. And it's right. Like, you know, right. Yeah, right. As was Hopkins a few years before yeah. that. So we've yep. been quarter, we've been semifinalists and we're knocking on the door. It's just, I really think Alfredo, it's a consequence of just a very good centennial conference now where we're going to end up with a loss as we yeah. as we move through that uh, schedule um and i did see that uh, i think this year muhlenberg scheduled mary hart mary hart and baylor in texas yeah i think they start off with them right right so that's yeah. uh that's a great move just to just to see, yeah, see just how, so you're gonna, how you're gonna you know stand up against some of the best talent in the country i, I mean i always tell people you know centennial conference is big time division three football <laughs> That's right. It's not quite a football factor yeah. because why would you want it to be? Yeah. But it's about as good a football as you can get uh, and not be sort of the fallback for Division One because that's yeah. the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is Ohio, that, exactly. Yeah. Right. Those top programs in Division Three, you know, essentially what they are is a farm system, one way or another, for high one A football. You know, yeah. Ohio State or Baylor or, you know, what have you. Um, and a lot of those programs are very closely aligned with some pretty, pretty high level uh, FBS uh, programs. Yeah. We, so my, my senior year, we, we lost to John Carroll and their quarterback was third string behind Peyton Manning with the Colts for a couple of years. That's right. That's right. Marth, and I was like, okay. Right. Right. Well, a lot of those schools, right. They'll have, they, they'll take transfers back from division one a, and it'll just be some of the, you know, and if, and if it ends up being in a talented uh, skill position, then you're going to have your Hansel when you play, when you play those guys, because they're going to be faster and they're going to be bigger and they're going to be stronger. And so you got a game plan against it and hope to hope to manage some of the that damage that they can do. But Mount unions, They've got some talent. They always yeah. do, particularly receiver and quarterback, and they're tough to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Now, someday. Someday we'll get there. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, it's going to happen. Now, when right. you um, when you went to Hopkins and you start playing both ways, like when when did that click for you? Like, oh, geez, I could – because, again, if you didn't hear from the start, I mean, all conference, first team on offense and defense. I mean, that's unheard of. I don't think it has been – I almost uh, messaged the uh, SID director at uh, Muhlenberg because I, I don't remember that ever happening. Yeah. So uh, it was a very funny story. I remember it very distinctly. We were, so my sophomore year, we were one and nine. My junior year, we were one and nine. And therefore we had a new coach my senior year. And that was Jim Margraff. And so Jim came in and a very funny story. We had uh, a student committee that interviewed him in addition to uh, some of the uh, very senior people in the athletic department. And uh, so we, everybody loved Jim. He was a graduate of Hopkins. He had all, he coached at Columbia. He had, you know, great credentials. And uh, I was talking to our athletic director, Bob Scott, who's a legend, the legendary lacrosse and football coach. Um, and uh, he, I said, uh, I want the other guy. It was, I don't know where it was. I think he came from the USFL and I was enamored with the USFL. And uh, Bob said, uh, Frank, what do you mean? You want the other guy? I said, I think, you know, Jim Margaff's a good guy, but I, I want the other guy. And uh, he said, he looked at me and he said, yeah, but Frank, you'd be comfortable if we hired either. Right. And therefore th at that very moment, I knew that I had no power. Right, <laughs> so, yeah. so they hired Jim. And then of course he became this legendary coach. And I always, I always told that story whenever we'd get together and he thought it was the funniest thing. Um, so he's, he's coaching my senior year and we're Oh, and two, and we lost to, um, 
oh, I can't remember the name of that school, but they're very, they no longer have a program, uh, liberal Swarthmore? arts school. Was it Swarthmore? Swarthmore. Yeah. Yeah. We lost to Swarthmore. And that was, a, that was just, that shook us. We thought, my God, you know, we just lost a school that may, may not have football any longer. And um, so we're in, we're in uh, stretching the first practice after that loss. And I said to my uh, defensive coordinator, um, Bob Benson, who's now at Penn, very good friend of mine. I said to him, Benz, I, I don't know why I, I played offense when I came here because I was more of a defensive player in high school. And uh, why don't we just try? And he said, well, what position? I said, well, I, I played outside linebacker in high school. Let's start there. He's like, great, let's do that. And so he walked me through some drills and I had John Toomey as my position coach in high school who is legendary coach. Yeah. And he was an amazing teacher of technique and fundamentals. And Absolutely. that's like riding a bike. You never lose that. And so we walked through some drills. He went into Margraf's office and said, we found our outside linebacker. And Jim said, he'll take breaks on offense because you can't really play a whole game. You'd, you, you know, you'd be ineffective at yeah. both. So he said, well, just take breaks on offense and he'll play the full game on defense. And so that's what I started doing. I started offense at outside linebacker. I made them promise. I said, I'll do this. I'm, I'm happy to do it, but just don't move me in position. I don't want to put my hand down because I'm not effective when I'm not, when I'm in a stance on defense, I want to be standing. And so of course, by the second game, they moved me to defensive tackle. Right. And so yeah. that didn't work, uh, yeah. but so I was able to play uh, offensive tackle and defensive tackle uh, my senior year. And then from that point on, we went, uh, five, two, and one. Um, and then I, I, I actually at practice uh, in the seventh week of the season, I tore knee ligament. And uh, I just thought, you know, my career in football can't end this way. And so I sat a week out and I taped it against F&M um, because we, the brace hadn't arrived. So I played without a knee brace, taped my knee. Um, I played fairly well in that game. And then, and then my last game, you know, thank God against, uh, Western Maryland and now McDaniel, as you had mentioned before, um, the brace finally arrived and I had a, I had a very good game, my last game. And I felt like I could hang up, you know, my cleats and have no regrets because right. I finished out the senior season as strongly as I could. That was really important to me because I just thought, you know, you can't help me. I'm sure you thought this, you know, when you, when you're done your senior year in division three, it's final, there's nothing else you're yeah. going to do. And you think back to playing football on, on you know the 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 bit the midget football fields in Pottsville and then yeah. freshman and then JV and and your varsity teams and then you play four years in college and you are if you're you know a true co-region football player you're absolutely dedicated to finishing your career as strongly as you can and I thought that's what I did and and I because I played both offense and defense and I played through you know really challenging injury um, to to win the final game have a winning record in my final year there I thought zero regrets. Fantastic. And I hung them up and I look back on that career and say it was well worth it and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. I, I know my last game, I, I cried like crazy because it was just like, yes. Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I did. We, we had a hall, we have a hall of fame, uh, athletic hall of fame at, at Hopkins. I was fortunate enough to be inducted in that. Um, and I, I was inducted with Andy Enfield, my great friend who's yeah. a coach at USC. So we were inducted together. Um, and I told that story and I said, you know, before my, my last game, my senior year, I hung a piece of tape that said no regrets. And I wanted to play that game. 
I want to play the best possible game I can, both offense and defense, and then be completely finished with football and have no regrets when I look back on it. And I was able to do that. And I thought that, uh, boy, how, how fortunate, you know, for a lot of teammates that we've played with who couldn't play college football or um, maybe they got to college for a year or two, academics were too difficult and they had to, they had to trade, you know, academics for football. Um, I was able to do both. It was challenging, but it made it worth it. Right. And you probably felt the exact same. Oh way. yeah, absolutely. I don't, right. I don't regret it. One, 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 one play of it. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How's John? We mentioned John Toomey. What's John doing? I've lost track of him. Are you? He's you still, yeah, he's helping out. Uh, I think he, you know, he helps out with the, the basketball team. Yeah. Excellent coach. Him and his brother, uh, Jim, I think uh, he referees and he's actually, he referees. Oh yeah, Jim, but he, he referees a few uh, Centennial. Oh, yeah, he does. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into him uh, um, a couple of years back at the, the old Greystone. I was back in town and it was the week before uh, the Hopkins Muhlenberg game. And he was doing that game. Oh. And we started, we started chatting about it and we were joking. And I said, hey, keep it honest, you know, the old yeah. uh, kind of check line. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I text uh, Jim Margraff afterwards. I said, hey, Jim Toomey's ref uh, head referee. He's an old friend. Talk to him, and we're good, right? Just yeah. joking. Yeah. And there are a few questionable calls that game, and Hopkins lost. And so Mars texted me back one word: "Thanks." Yeah. <laughs> At the end of that game. I, I never forgot that. I thought it was a, it was. Uh, he he did a he did a freshman football game of ours uh, at, at Pottsville, and I was yeah. I was uh, playing cornerback, and I I tackled somebody and faced that like one of the most blatant face mask of all time like i literally like, dragged the guy down and there was yeah. no penalty and the coach you know there was going like he, he faced and, okay. and he, he didn't see nothing <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I always think about that i'm like i don't know how he missed that because i mean it was right in front of him but you know it, yeah. it was a uh, i think because i landed on my back with with the like face mask like in my hand still so do you um, get back to do you get back to Muhlenberg often and watch games? Yeah, we try to go back like one one time a year. Now you know, now I'm married. I have my kid, and you know, we mm -hmm. it, it's a little different now because you know, Coach Donnelly passing. You know, when he had gone, right. you know, every year, and he would be in the field and stuff like that. Now the new coach is great. The new coaching staff's great too, but right. a little bit of a different feel. Um, yeah, same situation for me was that when Jim was there, I would absolutely get back at least once a year, spend some time with him after the game, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and now it's my connection there is, is just a little, it's kind of slight, but yeah. um, I still try to get back once, maybe every other year. Jim's last game uh, at Hopkins, I was I was there for, and um, he he was named uh, uh, Division Three Coach of the Year um, yeah. after that after that game, and then awesome. uh, after that season, and then he passed away, unfortunately, uh, you know. I think it was January one or January two um, after that year. So, but, uh, but yeah, I'd always try to get back and he was so welcoming and just, uh, and even when I was passing through Baltimore, I'd just swing into his office and just get life advice, you know, yeah. because like I said, he, he was the most humble person, you know, you could ever meet and what a great connection back to, you know, great time in your life. And it's hard. I always told him, you know, it's hard to be humble when you're always right. And that guy was yeah. always, he was always right. And just a, you know, brilliant educator and, uh, and Absolutely. Just a, I mean, yeah. Yeah, a complete legend. Now, now yeah. be honest, uh, you know, uh, do you think when you were younger with, with that head of hair you had and, you know, the Italian name, people were just afraid of you? They thought you were in a mafia or something? Because there is a Frank <laughs> and Jemmy who's been uh, convicted of uh, some crimes. That, yeah, uh, but so yeah, you had, you had a nice head of hair on you in, in the day. I did. I did. Yeah, I lost it. When they say that you're, um, 
you get your hair from your mother's brothers. And I always knew growing up that it was just a matter of time if that was the case. So, uh, yeah, but now, uh, yeah, I got the Vin Diesel look going without, without no, just, from good. The neck up, just from the it neck looks up, good. Not, not, not the body, unfortunately. Now I'm looking at, so the other thing too is, um, did you ever see Rick Laubach punt? Cause wasn't he like this, like amazing punter? Amazing. amazing. It was incredible. And he, and he, I think he was a drop kicker too, where oh, really? in practice you know, he would drop it and then just put it right through the goalpost from like 30, 40 out. It was, uh, yeah, he was a hell of an athlete. Yeah. Hell of an I athlete. mean, yeah, like almost like a pro. I think he could have went pro if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. I always remember that. Um, yeah. From the early days, I remember him drop kicking through the, the goalposts, um, he only ever yelled at me one time on a football field. I mean, he was a pretty quiet guy, really. Yeah. Um, I did something that was horrific. I forget what it was. Uh, I was a sophomore. And uh, one of the seniors who grew up on my street with me, he looked at me after I just got ripped. And he's like, hey, golden boy, welcome to the club, man. That's the first <laughs> time. And it won't be the last time because I'd never been yelled at like that before. And then I think... Uh, I think my senior year, Kevin like raked my face mask for a good, you know, twenty yards during oh, the yeah. game. Said something, yeah, yeah. It's you ever have Bob Schaffner? Bob Schaffner knew how to how to rake a good face mask. I know. No, no, <laughs> no like I never had. Up and, you know, be like holding on with two hands while he drug you across. I kept right. missing um, an option. I couldn't catch an option as a running back when I my yeah. my eighth grade year. I just kept. I just couldn't catch it. And then he right. just he just he just got, got so me. So a good face, a good face mask, right? Yeah, that's gonna help me. Yeah, it'll help you, help your confidence. So with you, but that's a good question, right? Like when you went to Muhlenberg, where did it really surprise you of how like the 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 football was less intense? Because I found that at Hopkins, it was the intensity of practices, and you know you weren't screaming and a lot you could players would curse on the field, and that never. Yeah, that was that was a weird because you know if you if you drop you know, an F-bomb, you'd be running it. I mean, yeah, it was right. weird. It was it, it was definitely like, oh, and I could just grab a water anytime I want. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, I, like the first couple of days, I'm like, so what, I could just drink some water between drills? Like, it's just there? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. And then like, yeah. it's it's more, I don't want to say it's, it's more business-like. I mean, it's just kind of, you know. Yeah, everything's um, on a, yeah, everything's on a schedule. It, it's very regimented. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and technique is truly technique. Like you're not, there was never this, you, you know, someone was not putting a hundred percent effort, then you would just, they just, they wouldn't blow the whistle. You just keep, you're doing a, te- you'd be doing a technique drill for 20, 30 yards. So you yeah. rounded someone in the ground Yeah. And in, in high school. That's just the way it was. Yeah. And then in college, <clears throat> it was more, excuse me, it was more teaching and more, you know, focused on the fundamentals and, uh, and you had a more of a personal relationship with coaches, which was really, really unique to me. I think a lot of um, yeah. kids I played with in, in college, they came from private schools and they had that. And coming from you know public schools in the coal region, you, you really didn't have personal relationships with your coach until much yeah, later. Yeah, you life. weren't like chatting it up, you know. No, you weren't buddies. You weren't yeah. cursing with them. You weren't commiserating. It was it was a total one-way relationship, as really it should be when you're 16, 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, I think, right? I think it's also, you know, you're different. You almost need that kind of militant uh, coach to some degree, you know, kind of that you want to be a little bit not scared of, but a little bit like uneasy, you know what I mean? To kind of get you the, the, and, and coach Keating, you know, he, he was, he was intense. Um, very, 
So was he was he as intense when when you played? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I know he probably mellowed probably a little bit every year. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was kind of the same way. Like you know, my sophomore year, you know, he yelled at me, and then by my senior year, you know, I I kind of felt that it was like segueing to more of that kind of you know what bit not business relationship but yeah he didn't really yell at me you know what i mean that kind of stuff right. and he, he kind of i guess it's kind of like a yeah as a sophomore yeah you're gonna get yelled at because you don't know yeah. what the hell's going you know on um right but by your senior year i think he trusted you and you know kind of um but it, you know no one was immune to a good coach keating film session um of course of course <laughs> or or rick Laubach. he was known for that as well oh, yeah I mean, I remember one time uh john flannery's junior year and he did it because he knew the potential that John had, but it was probably the most brutal film session I've ever seen, you know, from a coach to a player. And I think John got the message because he went on to become, you know, nine, yeah. nine year NFL player. Yeah. Right. Um, it worked for him, but it, that was high school. And that's, it was not like that in college. What's very interesting as I think back now though, is the relationship that Jim Margraf and Kevin Keating had. Oh, I didn't realize time. it. They, they became they became good friends. There were a number of coal region players, a couple Pottsville players um, that went to Hopkins after I was there. Um, and I think that was largely because of the relationship that uh, Jim would have with Kevin. I knew a lot of the often um, the Hopkins assistants, the recruiters recruiting the region would go through Pottsville and ask them, um, you know, who are some of the good players, not only on the Pottsville team, but some of your opponents. And so we started seeing uh, some kids in Berwick principally would uh, would come to Baltimore quite a bit and play. Um, but yeah, I always I always thought they were they took different approaches. But as I said, they were just you know really smart, introspective, very humble, honest guys. And they they were you know close friends, um, I think, until uh, when Jim passed. So I, I always really liked that aspect of my, you know, my ties back to Pottsville and the fact that the coaches were uh, were friendly. Yeah, I, I think to people, there is kind of a badge of honor from being from the coal region, even as I'm sure you got into the business world, you know, we do have kind of a, a trademark, which is, you know, that we're going to work hard, we'll figure it out, we're no excuse. And, you know, I know I carry that I know a lot of other people do. And I think they expect a certain brand when they get a coal region guy. And, you yes. know, it's a, it is a badge of honor to kind of live up to it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you you were probably considered one of the toughest guys on your team. Um, you know, I, people I think considered me like a tough. I was I ended up going the wide receiver, and you know I love stock walking and that kind of stuff. And it's just yes. kind of you know that's as cold region as it gets in terms of yes. You know, and I think people I think people are always going to appreciate that that you know that you're just kind of a tough as nails guy. And I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about just you. You really have no choice. Right. I mean, look, you never took a playoff. I never, I couldn't even consider taking a playoff. You know, if you were on that field, you gave it your best 100% until the whistle was blown. And that's mm -hmm. just what was drilled into us. Yeah. And if you're an offensive tackle, you know, what that means is you take your defensive tackle in the linebacker, you block them both, and then you release and you go find a D back in the backfield right. that you can, yeah. you can drop. Right. And if you're an outside linebacker, you get to that quarterback and you hit him after he throws the ball, you know, within the, within the rules. Sure. Yeah. Every single play, every single play, you let that quarterback know where you are and there's no excuses for not doing that. And that's cold region football. 
And yeah. that's that's why, you know, a lot of the assistants when they're, you know, the college assistants and they're, they're in the mid-Atlantic and the Northeast, they go through East Central Pennsylvania because they're looking for that player. Yeah. Um, that that always translates. My <clears throat> one of my favorite players was uh, professional players was Jeremiah Trotter for the and he was being uh, interviewed once. He was playing for the Eagles. I don't know. They asked him a question about how uh, they're going to attack this opponent. And he got really technical. He said, well, we're going to, you know, stack the box and then we're going to and then if not do that, we'll make sure we have outside contain. And then he stopped for a second and he said, you know, and if does, that doesn't work, then we're just going to punch him in the mouth because yeah. that always works. And I thought, you're damn right. That always works. And that's that's cold region football right there. That's what I uh, there's a there's a local coach. Uh, I, I, I think uh, they asked him before the one game, you know, the refs like, hey, any, uh, you know, any trick plays, trick formations we should uh, know. And he's, he says, nah, we're just going to line up and hit people. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> I think right. that's I think that's cold region right there. I mean, you know, that's right. Now it's a little fancier. But at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You know, it's just being more physical than your opponent. So you mentioned that you have a child now and you have one on the way. Are they a uh, boy, girl? Uh, two. It's good. I have a boy now and another boy on the way. So. Oh, great. Congrats. So uh, you. will you, will you want them to play football? <clears throat> I, I want them to do whatever, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, you know, if they, if he wants to play football, um, you know, I might have to talk to the wife about that, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would love it. Uh, but if he wants yeah. to be in the band, that's great too. You know what I mean? I, I, right. I, I want him to do whatever he does just to, you know, to, to, to like it and put effort into it. And, and, you know, and I think there's, there's lessons to be learned in anything that he does. So. Of course, kind of just goal. expose, expose them both to as many sports as. as yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking, you know, baseball. Basketball. They really enjoy. Yeah. Right. Right. Our kids are swimmers. I've got uh, 12 year old twin boys. They're really good swimmers. I'm so proud of them. And uh, I said to my one son, who's they're they're identical. They look exactly alike, but they have very different personalities. I mean, the one person out, the one son is like very focused and very aggressive. And uh, I always kind of pinned him as my football player. And I said, so Bennett, are you you ready to play football maybe in eighth grade? And he looked at me and said, no, dad, that ship has sailed. I think I'm going to be a swimmer. (laughs) yeah i know it's just like I, like i said i would love it but you know it, it, it whatever sport or band or music you know whatever it is you know i just want them to yeah. just put a lot of effort into it and you know not be afraid to fail and that kind of stuff because you know that's i think that's the most important thing for me at sports is to you know learn how to to fail really because i think it's important right right just academics first and figure out what you love, give a hundred percent at it, no matter what it is, and you'll be successful. And that's, I think that's the lesson, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now you were a three, three sport athlete, right? For Pottsville? Yeah, I played baseball, basketball, and football. Um, I really loved uh, baseball. And I, I actually thought about playing baseball at Hopkins. Um, one of our assistant coaches in football was the, the head baseball coach at Hopkins. He still is today. He's the winningest baseball coach, I think, in the st- probably in the state of Maryland as right. well. Um, he's been there forever. Uh, very successful, Bobby Babb. And uh, I just, I couldn't do it because the academics were just too difficult. Yeah. I really, I would take, you know, 12 credit semesters, 12 credits in the semester I played football, and then I would catch up right. uh, in the second semester. Um, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I, if I was playing baseball yeah. in the second semester. But I did. I loved it. I was a pretty good hitter. Um, and then uh, uh, Jim Steidel, uh, who I love, he was he was another 20th streeter. 
um, he put me in as catcher my senior year and my batting average plummeted <laughs> as oh, a yeah. consequence. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was rough, but I, yeah, I love, I loved all three sports. I was able to play basketball, as I mentioned in, in, uh, in college to stay in shape like every day and, uh, formed a great relationship with all the basketball players at, at Hopkins, but, uh, football is my first love and probably what I was, what I was best at. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, the last podcast I did was General Jolin, and it's it's interesting how you're both linemen, but both are very athletic, you know, and, and multiple right. athletes. So, Right, uh, right. And what a, what a great career, uh, I mean, he had. I, I listened to a little bit of the podcast. It's pretty incredible when you think about it. Oh, God, yeah. Being the, the head of, uh, of NATO, right? And, yeah. Um, I mean, they're just uh, – I'll – I'll be here in the DC area. I'll be at a client. I'll be at, uh, we do some government work. You find yourself at the Pentagon or military bases. And every once in a while you run into Potsdam natives and, uh, oh, and yeah. people that, that, you know, and you know, some last names and it's just, uh, you know, it's a good feeling. Now what, uh, what, uh, most importantly, what little league team are you on? You're a railway guy. I was a railway guy. Of course. Yeah. We, we weren't the, we weren't the highfalutin wealthy kids. Yeah, but we wait, Jamie O'Brien was a 20th Street guy, right? Yeah. And yeah. he's he's Yingling, Rotary. Yeah, but 20th Street was north and south. So if you're north 20th, you're a railway. And if you're south 20th, you're Rotary. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But um, yeah, we that was the, I think my, my 12, <laughs> 12 years old playing at Rotary in the All-Stars was the most nervous that I've ever been as a really? athlete in my Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you knew everybody in the, in the uh, stands. And I remember to this day, very clearly being heckled at third base when you'd make an error and, you know, <laughs> it was just so much pressure because you're playing against your friends and yeah. everybody in the stands knows you. <clears throat> um, but that was, um, that was a great childhood memory. The best, the best athletic childhood memories in Pottsville were little league baseball. And so oh, that's 100%. Where, I mean, nothing comes close that you can't yeah. come close. Now what team were you nothing. on? So I was on American bank. Okay. And we won, I think we won the league <clears throat> my 11th when I was 11 and when I was 12. Oh, back um, to back. Okay. Yeah. We went back to back. We had a really, we were a really strong team. Um, and uh, and then, and then we ended up, uh, you know, losing the rotary, uh, in, uh, all-stars, my, uh, my 12, 12, uh, uh, 12 year old uh, year, but rotary had a great team. A couple of my good friends, Mike grief was one. He was a great okay. hitter. Um, so, and, and of course, you know, predating me was Chris Napholtz, who was, yeah. you know, one of the best he played, uh, for railway and went on to the major leagues. So, um, yeah, I caught for him in high school uh, for practices. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. He was a lefty too, so that was coming from you. <laughs> oh, that ball was trailing. I mean, he threw a natural, he threw an, uh, a natural screwball off a fastball, and so it was um, it was really hard to catch because you weren't used to it. And of course, he, I mean, he cranked it up upper 80s, low 90s, and you're trying to catch him as a high school catcher. That was tough. And the the thing that always amazed me is you, you really appreciate how good major league hitters are when one of the top two uh, hitters in your high school uh, history can't hit uh, in the major leagues. He's a pitcher, right? So yeah, you know, Chris Napoles bombs. Oh yeah. School. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he put it up on Elk Avenue, whatever right. that road is on top of the stadium. I mean, he hit yeah, it yeah. out of the stadium and he, you know, he couldn't hit 
in the major league in the major leagues. Yeah, he was strictly a pitcher and a great pitcher at that. But still, you're like, wow, how good how good are the hitters? In the your your forearms must have been all bruised, right? I mean, just right, would, right. Would, oh yeah, you know. oh yeah. He was a he was a phenomenal player. So it's amazing, Alfredo. You know, you look back on it, and your 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 best memories are baseball. And playing, you know, little league and playing with some amazing talent, and uh, some of the relationships that you'd form with other teams, like North Schuylkill team and high school baseball, we were pretty close with. And then some of the the just most gut wrenching memories were football related. Like yeah. I think John Flannery mentioned the year at Berwick that we tied them, I think, and we yeah. fumbled up the goal line going in. Yeah. The worst loss. The worst loss of my life. I mean, I, yeah. I cried for half an hour after that loss and uh, I'll never forget it. It was just devastating. And even, even college, you know, nothing, nothing compared to the feeling of, of losing to Berwick at that horrible field they had and those horrible fans. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just despised them and we couldn't. I, I'm couldn't a Berwick guy now. I, I did a Berwick documentary. So, so I, when I go up there, they, they treat me really good. So I, I did you do the, did you do the documentary on George Curry? Yeah, that was me and my buddy, uh, Jason. Yeah. That was you, huh? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. I so right now, it's me, me and Kurt Air are, are, are jockeying for the bigger Berwick fan. He's a he's a big Berwick guy. Why? Why is Kurt? Hey, no, we Berwick just guy? we just love the tradition. You know the the, is the that program. Right? Yeah, yeah. Is that so right? I always joke yeah, that I'm a, you know, I'm a bigger fan of Berwick than than uh, Kurt, but it's close. Oh boy, that's tough to hear. Uh, yeah. So George was a boy. He was a. Uh, what talk about a hell of a football coach when you I don't know how you feel when you played him but I've never played against uh players that were more fundamentally sound than oh never never right right college anywhere else in high school I thought I thought the best player I ever played against was Gary Brown from oh yeah he just passed away unfortunately just passed away uh and a really nice guy but whoa what a hell of a running back you could not stop that couldn't stop him and just in general, though, the overall best teams we ever played, even if they had a slight down year, was Berwick because at every position, the technique was perfect. The fundamentals yeah. were perfect, and they, and they would block you. Right and knowing that they were so strong. I mean, you felt yeah. their strength. It's like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, you know, we weren't smaller guys. I was just like, geez, man, these guys are. Right. <laughs> right. And you, you knew, you knew when you played them and then George, you know, I didn't appreciate, I really didn't like him when I played obviously, cause you know, it's a rivalry. You should, yeah. like him. but I, you know, I really came to appreciate, you know, years out what he would do for other players. 100%. And, you know, even other teams, he would just talk to coaches and jazz Dimonic as well. I mean, jazz uh-huh. is like that. As well, jazz. Yeah. I, I mean, probably, go ahead. Curry always says he learned everything from jazz, you know, jazz yeah. set the tone. And then, yeah, you yeah. know, the, the, the triumvirate is, you know, Jim Roth, uh, yeah, you know, Curry and, and Jazz. I mean, those are three of the, arguably probably the nation's best three coaches of, you know, of all time. They'd be in the conversation. Right well, you there. don't know who would be better. I mean, who would be better than Jim Roth right now? I mean, he wins yeah. the state championship every year. And as a, a small school, he could definitely play up and compete for state championships, maybe at any division. In, oh, in 100%. The state. I mean, they went down right. and beat the Georgia state champ, like, and demolished them. Right, right. You know, on ESPN. And what's interesting, what's interesting though, is that their their top receiver now, uh, I'm sorry, their top receiver a few years ago, who's now at Ohio State. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't gotten a lot of uh, playing time yet. I think this year will be the first. Yeah, year, I think so. He's had a couple of just you know all Americans literally yeah. that were ahead of him. 
but it, it teaches you, you know, it shows you how tough the transition is from even, you know, the top high school talent in the country to, you know, high for FBS yeah. is a tough transition. Now I got to ask you, you're not, you're not in the Potsdam Hall of Fame, are you? No, how, no, my friend. How, okay. I, that, that's going to be my, I, I'm, I, I'm, I get a, I could, I could submit a nomination. So I already wrote down that you, I mean, we're going to submit you. Oh, well that, that's, that's, that's very crazy that you're not, I mean, it's insane. I, I, mean, I actually, I actually, you know, my friends have asked me about that. They said, you know, how are you in your college hall of fame and not yeah. in your high school? My answer is very simple. Pottsville has better athletes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Trust me. Like, is that true? Yeah. I said, no, well, I mean, like I said, I'm in it. I, I, you know, I, I would, I'm in it, but I think you would be, I mean, there's a lot of people who should be in before I, I should be in it. You know what I mean? Like based on, well, your, that's, based that's on your funny. industry, I, I, I mean, that, that's and I say that there's a couple people who, like I said, they should be in before before I, yeah. I'm in it, you know, because I mean, you yeah. were sports. I mean, you excelled at all of them. I mean, there's, and and were you you were you won nominated you won some awards for being a sports writer? Did I see that correctly? I think I yeah, boy, we well, really you've done some great research, Alfred. You're making me think back to. I was I, I was I impressed did. with that. I was like, well, look at you, a little little sports reporter. Well, you know what's what's great is that I was on the uh, the yearbook. The, the high spots yearbook which is you know yeah one of the a, best in the country yeah it was a great publication and i was a sports editor and i wrote some articles and won awards i think that was definitely a skill that's translated the business you know the mm -hmm. ability to write to theme things out storyboard theme it and then uh you know write very concisely and in a way that speaks to the audience very well so that that was um it was great. It was that the, yeah, the yearbook was a great experience and uh, I really enjoyed it. And the, the, the skill that I, that I kind of grew there in high schools transitioned really well to business world. Yeah. I, I tell people learn, learn how to, uh, you know, I think today people forget like learning how to talk to people is a skill. I know people, you know, they want to know what you can do on the computer. I always say, learn how to talk to people because right. that's a skill that's really important that I think, you know, maybe we, we lose sight of sometimes. And, you know. Yeah, well, I think look in the in the business world, you know, sales in particular are important, and being able to understand how to sell something, and you know, having the fortitude to never give up and communicate well, and you know, be very social, you know, mm -hmm. in, in business, um, those are all just great skills to have. And so I think yeah, I saw this one article once where they interviewed some number of the Fortune 100 CEOs and said, you know with your children, or if you don't have children, what would your advice be, you know, to your, to the children wanting to get into business? And their number one uh, counsel was get into sales as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, because that's really where the opportunities are. And you're starting to see more salespeople now ascend to the C-suite of large companies because of that. It's all about revenue and growth. And if you can convince people to buy what you're selling, that's yeah. Right and that doesn't want. necessarily mean just product. I mean, I know even in TV, you, right. I mean, you're, you're selling a theme. You're always kind of selling really in anything that you do, you know? Kind right. Of I mean, how many times have you pitched a film or a documentary or something that you're doing? And there's always some, you know, you're always selling something. Someone's got to buy yeah. something. Right? And you got to sell and yourself more than anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, last question. You come back to Podstool. What's your, what's your go-to meal? Oh, man. I mean, so number one doesn't get better than roma i mean I, I yeah don't like although I, I always say roma old school when it just came on a piece of wax paper that can't be replicated remember that you but it didn't, they yeah. just serve pizza right like 
when my father was alive, he would call Roma and he would say, tell Petey it's for Frank Gangemi. And then he just knew how to make it. Like, you can't beat that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you call yeah. a number, you say, tell Petey it's for Frank. And then you get the pizza made the exact same way every yeah, time. Right. You want. Yeah, right. Yeah. How can you beat that? You right? can't. Um, you cannot beat it. But um, so recently, though, when I go back, um, you know, I'll go to, um, oh, what's the Italian place in Shenandoah that I forget? The, oh, Francesco's. Yeah, Francesco's. That's so, great. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go to Francesco's. Uh, my mom's uh, family's all from Shenandoah, north of the mountain. So I find myself up there for family reunions at times. Always hit uh, Francesco's. But there's no, yeah, no substitute for uh, for Roma. I, I don't know. There's uh, Press Coffee now. Have you been there? Press yeah, Coffee? yeah, I've been there. Press is, uh, you know, it's, we're, 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 there is a revitalization going here in Pottsville, and it's, it's yeah. good to see. So, yeah, Press yeah, is good. When, yeah, when I'm when I'm back and I'm it's a work day and I need to get some work done, I'll go to press, get a coffee and uh, and one of the crepes, and I'll sit there and have breakfast and get like yeah, no, it's great. You could never have done that in Pottsville, you know, when I when no. I lived there. So it's a uh, it's it's a town. It's getting a, uh, a revival. I love it. I love yeah. Going back. No, I, since I moved back, I've been really happy, and you know, hopefully, just you know, Good. a little bit of a snag with the pandemic, but you know, things are getting back, and it's uh, it's fun to see. So. I mean, I, well, I that's love great. being able to walk over to the, you know, the stadium for a football game and, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, unfortunately, my uh, mother recently passed away oh, and there were, uh, thanks, uh, there were a number of my friends in town from New York and, and D.C. And uh, they saw the high school and they were just amazed. They were just driving down 16th Street yeah. and they, had, they hadn't seen it before, I guess, although they were in town several times. And they took pictures of it. And I said, well, did you see the football stadium? They said, no. I said, well, you really missed out because yeah. I think that that football stadium is the nicest in the state. Uh, it's really amazing and picturesque. It is. Just- I, I, if I have like a, you know, I, I don't, actually, I'll don't say this out loud, but if I have like a big interview coming up or like any kind of meeting, like I'll go over to like the field and just sit there and it's kind of just like a, it's like a temple. I don't know. I just, I just feel like, right. you know, it's like the beautiful trees. It's just, yeah. It's, well, just, dusk, it's just calming. Look, pre-game dusk, the band playing, you yeah. smell the fries and the funnel yeah. cakes. Yeah. This is high school football. There yeah. is no substitute for it. It is true high school football. Yeah, no, I know. I, uh, it, it's definitely an experience that, that sticks with you. And maybe, I, you know, I always look back like maybe I didn't appreciate as much as I probably should have uh, when right. I was doing it. I mean, of course, I enjoyed it and I loved it, but it's like if I would have known well, you just can't. how short it was, I would have, you know. Right. You can't when you're 16, 17 years old. You really don't have that perspective. Did you try to sneak into the stadium when you were in middle school and and not pay? We would sneak. We'd have all kinds of of One of my earliest memories of Pottsville football is we went to go see, I think it was 93. So it was like Rusty, Kurt, and those guys. And uh, they had one. And I remember that was the dirt track. And remember when when they had, well, of course, you did the stands in the end zone? Yes. And there was a football there, I guess, from, uh, you know, you know, just from whatever there were warm-ups and stuff like that. And it was just like laying there and my dad's like, go get it. And I went and grabbed it. And like, I play with that football. I mean, I must've played a thousand pickup games with that football, but I thought it was the coolest thing. Yes. You know, I'm sorry for stealing the football PHS. You can send me a bill, but I, I, it was the coolest thing. I just was like, this is a high school football guys. Like I remember telling people like, Potsville used to play with this, you know, they, and I, we have it here, you know, and it's like, <laughs> we have it. is that amazing yeah. or what? Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, it, 
and you would play pickup games during the during the football. Oh game. yeah, I remember like yeah, you 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 playing there like you know you rolling down that hill and then you know you be playing you know, catching the field goals. I never really caught the field goals, but I remember yeah you just be walking on that track and throwing football and just yeah it's you can't replicate yeah. it. You can't even you describe cannot. it really. Do it justice. No, and even even recently, last couple of years, I may have caught one or two games with my kids, and it just it doesn't have the same feel as it did in the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah, you know, when the stands were in the end zone, and it yeah. was all the kids playing pickup games, and they're on the hill rolling down those yeah. hills. That like, how did someone die? You know, running into like oh, a stone I know, and at the end, it's just it's just spikes of of rock that you're gonna run into. Exactly, it. exactly. Okay. Like, how did someone like die? Yeah. You know, rolling down those hills, but uh, everything worked out. I, okay. You know, I I did a. I was at the high school football challenge. I did like a local high school football, like weightlift. You know, they did like the tire flips and stuff like that. It was pretty United Way. It was a nice event. And I saw Stan Dukoski there from, from Marion. Marion. And, yeah. you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, Marion was single A, but I mean, they rough people up around here. I mean, they rough Pottsville up a couple of times. I mean, yeah. they were, oh, yeah. they were a program. It was crazy to think. Oh well, I mean, I played against Sean Love, who was you're uh, right. He was an NFL guy, right? Right, right behind, right behind Gary Brown. I mean, that was the uh, that was the second best player I ever played against. Yeah. And I remember thinking when I went into it, uh, when I went into the game. Of course, Kevin was like all over me that week. You know, you got to love it, Frankie. You're gonna, you know, just all the lines, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna kill this guy. Yeah, and I play. And and again, you know, having my mom's side of family from north of the mountain, that was an important game for me. You know, playing one hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Catholic and everything. And I, I mean, he was a complete handful. He was bigger than I was, quicker than I was, and probably stronger. And uh, I remember turning to our guard, uh, Scott Schaefer, at the time. I said, hey, man, on every chip, I need you right over here. Like, yeah. God, this guy's going to be a handful. He's going to be tough. And I knew he was going to play in the pros because he was, he was incredible. Great football player. Yeah, yeah. they had great players. Great yeah, players. Yeah, he was a great program. I mean, yeah, it was state championship, right? Back in, in yeah, yeah. Are they? How are they today? These days, I haven't really. They're okay. They just, you know, they have a numbers issue. You know, it's just hard. Yeah. You know, they might right. only have twenty some kids out in the team, if that. You know, yeah. actually, Nativity uh, Coach Mason's done the best. He's, I think, he's got fifty-one kids out for Nativity football. And Nativity basketball's been fantastic. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, really good. You, you'll start to see, I guess, some consolidation eventually, even more yeah. so. And. Students will have to, you know, travel a little bit further, unfortunately, but that's what happens. But yeah, yeah. I remember Maryland. Same thing with Shenandoah. Shenandoah used to be, like oh, I said, yeah. I mean, for I spent a lot of my youth uh, getting more my. I remember my I was a water boy for Nativity, and I remember, uh, you know, when Nativity played them, you know, they, you know, you had the school bus that you went up on. Like, yeah. uh, I remember, you know, the, the team wasn't allowed to take off their their helmets on the bus because Shendo people be throwing rocks at it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> I mean, you, had, you had to be really prepared. Thank goodness we never played those guys. I went to a few games to see um, um, oh, who was there, uh, Ruth. Right? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, he was a. Uh, I just wanted to see him play, and he was as advertised as well. He's a really good football player. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they they had some talent. Now again, it's a numbers game with them, right? Yeah, but. Uh, Maybe we'll see some consolidation there, but yeah, those are the those are some great memories going around to those other stadiums and watching some of those players play, and then playing against guys that you know future NFL players. It was yeah, no, it's amazing. You didn't get that in college, you really didn't no. get that experience. No, it's right. amazing. Well, Frank, thanks so much. I already take, took took enough of your time, and uh, I can't thank you for uh, for sitting down with us. And yeah, if you're ever back yeah. in the area, let me know. We'll grab a drink and 
Look, I'll do that. It was a thanks for having me on, Alfredo. It was a, it was a pleasure. Um, we got to try to coordinate a Hopkins uh, Muhlenberg game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do that. I'll host you one year and then you can host me another year. I'll take All right. you. Uh, That's a deal. I'll take you to Miss Shirley's in Baltimore for uh, for a post meal. All right. Post Perfect. Meal, yeah, but... I'm sold. All right. Take Thanks, care. Frank. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye bye.